I'm Nathan Massey. This is the KZRG Sports Podcast. We're going to go and jump right back into it with pretty much our daily College World Series update here. Arkansas loses 2-0 into their season. They lost to their SEC opponent, Ole Miss. Ole Miss just too much on the mound, really. Delusia, they're all calling him Loosh. Comes out there, throws a complete game shutout. I believe it was the first one since 1993. And, I mean, dude just completely dominated the entire game. Controlled it from beginning to end. I think the majority of Arkansas's hits even came with two outs. I watched the whole game. It was one of those ones where at one moment you feel like they were in it and they were a swing away, and then the inning would end and you felt like they were down by 20 runs. And for some people, maybe that's a little hard to understand, but that's just kind of how those games work. But they just they never felt like they really got anything going, and when they did, it was just too little too late and they just couldn't ever figure it out and get in a rhythm against Delusia who just threw an incredible game and he shut down all the big bats I mean Arkansas like I've talked about throughout this entire tournament Arkansas has produced runs they've scored they've even sometimes most of their games or not most but some of their games they've come out there and essentially won strictly because their offense and I said that if they got a good start out of their starting pitcher that they would have a chance. And they did. And they got a great start out of Connor Nolan, who threw an incredible game. He allowed, I believe, two of the three runs. Or, I'm sorry, one of the two, or maybe both of the two runs. But still, that's an incredible start when you're at this point in the tournament against the the offenses that you're facing. And he just couldn't, he didn't get any run support. And you just have to have that. And no matter how good your start is, I mean... Two runs should not win you a college baseball game. And that's not a knock on Ole Miss's offense. And tip of the cap to Ole Miss's pitcher, Delusia. That's a knock on Arkansas's offense. You throw Nolan out there on short rest. He only threw, I think, around 80 pitches the other day during his outing, which isn't a lot given how long he went throughout his outing. But you have to give him run support. You can't waste a start like that. I mean, if you put up a measly three or four runs in that game, you're in the College World Series final. And the way that he threw and the way that your pen and your bullpen came in and kind of shut things down, you should you should have been able to win that game. I mean, you very easily should have been able to win that game. And you should have had Nolan coming back later in, in the World Series. I mean, probably if maybe not a start, depending on how things timed out, I imagine with that going on, he would have started at some point. And if he wouldn't have, then maybe he would have come in in a relief. Be that That's one of those things that kind of happens a lot in college baseball and has happened a little bit more in the pros here and there where you see like the big number one ace come in to kind of close a game out. But it's just, I feel bad for Arkansas. I feel bad for the fans. Connor Nolan, who threw an incredible game. I don't think they're done. They are losing some pieces, but I think that they'll retool and reload over the next couple years but their season's over with so now we move on to Oklahoma and Ole Miss I think this is going to be an incredible series Ole Miss has been playing as good as ball as anybody Oklahoma kind of made it pretty easily through their bracket obviously I don't think they lost a game they moved straight through I kind of want to go out on a limb here and say that it I think it's going to go three games. I don't think that you're going to see a sweep here. I would be surprised if you saw a sweep from either side. As I just mentioned, they're both playing really good ball. This isn't a clear favorite or 
an underdog Cinderella. I mean, Ole Miss maybe is not who you projected to be this far. Maybe you could even say that Oklahoma's who you not who you did not who you project to be this far. Kind of butchered that there for a second. Sorry about that. But um, anyways, no. So I think both of these teams have very well earned their spot. There was no like last year. I know we had the controversy with NC State and Vanderbilt and COVID and all that. There was none of that this year, obviously. So I would take. I think I'm going to have to go Ole Miss in three, and that kills me. I'm going to be honest with you all. I'm a Mississippi State fan, but I think Ole Miss takes it in three. I think especially if they get pitching like they did yesterday out of some of their other starters. But Oklahoma is fighting for history here. Um, they, If they win it, if the baseball team wins it, I believe it will be the first time ever that it, the softball team and the baseball team from the same school in the same season win the national championship. That would be kind of incredible. That's got to be a huge thing for that athletic department. So I know that's maybe it's not the reason that they're trying to win it. Obviously, I think there's a lot of other reasons why they would want to win this. But I think that would be something really cool that would happen if they did win it. Ole Miss is going for their first ever national title. So we'll have to keep up with that throughout the weekend, see how that goes. And like I said, I think Ole Miss in three, that's going to be my uh, initial thoughts that's gonna be my my initial prediction so we're gonna kind of follow through that and see how that goes but we're gonna move on here another game that's happening tonight Colorado Avalanche is up three to one on Tampa Bay Avalanche won that other game the other night three to two in overtime we've got game five tonight I think Tampa Bay is gonna extend it to six I think I've kind of changed a little bit on that I still think the Avalanche are gonna win it eventually just just hard to come back from 2-0 or 3-1 in general so I think Tampa Bay maybe squeaks one more out, maybe extends it another game, but I think Avalanche take it. So that'll be my prediction for my picks for the day. That'll be my pick for the day. Um, obviously, as I mentioned, we'll we'll just get into the picks later. But anyways, so another big news story headline that came out last night was Arch Manning. Arch Manning commits to Texas. I was kind of surprised by this. I didn't necessarily have a feeling of where he was going to go. I would not have expected Texas. Obviously, he's a 2023 grad, so there was a little bit of time before any of this really matters. Quinn Ewers transferred from Ohio State to Texas. He's a Texas guy. So I was kind of surprised to see them land both Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. But Arch Manning, he's going to have... I'm. Curious to see how the kid handles all the hype. He's done well with it so far. He, of what I've, I mean, nobody really that I can, that I know of or nothing that I've really seen has kind of pointed to him doing anything wrong off the field. He's done a really good job about handling all the hype. He's probably one of the most followed high school recruits as far as football goes in a long time. I would venture and even guess to say as far as high school and his recruiting and just the media coverage he's gotten through his high school career, I would put him up there with like Zion Williamson and maybe even probably not nearly as much, but I guess kind of in that realm of LeBron James when he was going through high school. I think LeBron obviously is way ahead. But when you're talking about just high school athletes and the attention that they've garnered from just simply being high school athletes, I think Arch Manning is and Arch Manning and Zion Williamson are pretty comparable as far as the coverage that they've received. And like I said, he's done a good job. I know the family was pretty strict on his recruiting process. I don't think he's a big social media guy to begin with, that being Arch, obviously. Um, but, I mean, I think, like, it helps. He's got – I mean, his uncles are Peyton and Eli Manning. 
His grandfather is Archie Manning. So I think he obviously has a lot of good people in his corner who have been through this, who have seen this. Obviously, he's probably one of the most hyped just if things have played out. He is a five-star recruit. I think he's one of the highest recruit rated ever. And he's five stars for sure. I think he's even maybe a perfect one or a thousand, however you would like to look at it, on some of those uh, recruiting sites such as like Rivals and 24-7 Sports, stuff like that. But I don't blame him for not going to Ole Miss or Tennessee. I know Ole Miss is obviously Eli, and Tennessee is obviously Peyton Manning. But I don't blame him for kind of wanting to. And also, I, let me go ahead and throw this out there. I believe Arch Man, Archie Manning also went to Ole Miss. But anyways, I don't blame him for wanting to kind of blaze his own trail. I am kind of surprised it was Texas, though. As I mentioned, Quinn Ewers is already there. He's only a grade or two above him. So maybe it's a good storm where Archie or Arch Manning can get out there and sit for a year, redshirt, obviously, and then learn the system, perform, maybe get a little bit of cool-off time as far as his... Um, his hype, but you never know. Uh, he's an injury away, and obviously if he performs, he gets out there and performs, so I think it's good if that's what's to happen. I mean, if he gets out there and shows out, maybe he takes Quinn Ewers' spot, and then Quinn Ewers has to go somewhere else and figure something out there. But Texas just hasn't been Texas, let's be honest. Texas hasn't been good since, really that good since probably Colt McCoy when they lost the national title in the 2010s, or maybe, I think it was actually even before 2010. So I don't I guess it's going to be on Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. Obviously, if Quinn doesn't do it, then I think it's going to be on Arch Manning to bring Texas back. I know that's a lot of, that's kind of the term that's referred. Sam Ellinger kind of threw that one out there saying, we're back. But I think that's a lot of pressure to put on a kid. I mean, he's already fallen in the footsteps of two of the top quarterbacks in NFL history. Peyton obviously being a little bit higher, but Eli winning his fair shot or his fair share of Super Bowls and kind of getting his name out there and, he set a lot of records as well for his franchise in New York. But I think that Arch is, Arch is going to have to deal with a lot of that. I feel bad for him in a sense. I can't imagine what it's going to be like to be at a Power 5 school with football history. It's already hard to be a quarterback or really any important position there and dealing with the controversies and dealing with the criticisms that come along with being the quarterback at any of those big schools. On top of that, he's going to be constantly, constantly compared to his uncles and to his grandfather. So it's kind of a, I mean, unless if he goes out, it's going to be hard for him to separate unless he goes out there and wins just, unless he's just Tom Brady, it will always be, oh, well, he's not as good as Peyton. Oh, well, he's not as good as Eli. And I know Peyton only won the one or the two Super Bowls. Eli won two. So it's not like they just have more than anybody. But it's still going, he's constantly going to be compared to them. And I feel bad for him in that sense. I feel like he won't be able to just go out there and play. I feel like the pressure maybe won't get to him necessarily, but it'll just be all the time. He'll be criticized constantly because they everybody wants Peyton Manning. Everybody wants Eli. And supposedly a lot of the reports are that he's very similar to both of them, but he's more mobile and more athletic. So obviously if that reigns true, then... Maybe he's the best of the four of them, including Arch, like Arch, Archie, Peyton, and Eli. So I, he's got to perform to kind of get away from that. I hope for his sake that he can blaze his own trail. I think that some of the media will probably cover it. On They won't address it as such as just this is Arch's career. It will be those comparisons that I'm mentioning. 
But I want to see what he can do, and I hope that all we ever have to cover is his on-the-field play. I hope that he doesn't get burnt out. I hope that the pressure and the media don't get to him and kind of push him away from football because the kid looks very talented. Obviously, we wouldn't really be talking about him if he wasn't. But still, I fear it's going to be one of those situations where the media burns the kid out and then he just ends up stop playing at some point, no matter how talented he is. Because that's, that's probably the most pressure we're going to see put on a kid in a long, long time. Just filling the shoes of his family members, being at a school in Texas. And let's not even forget to mention that Texas and Oklahoma are moving to the SEC. So there's a very fair chance, like there's a very real possibility that the inaugural Texas in the SEC season will be with Arch under center. So not only will he have all of the pressures that I've already mentioned, on top of that, he will have to do it against SEC defenses. He will have to prove that in a new conference that they belong, that they are a powerhouse, with all the pressures of being at a historical, historically good college football program in Texas. And that's just, I mean, that's so much. So I don't really know, again, I don't really know where I expected him to go. I don't really know where I even I would have told him to go because he like a lot of those problems are still going to follow him no matter where he's at. But I guess Texas, obviously they did something right. They won the recruiting battle. He chose there for a reason. So I wish the best for Arch Manning. Obviously we'll have years to kind of debate this and get see what the results of it are, see if he lives up, see if maybe he is the best Manning of all time or see if maybe he's a bust. He, maybe he's gotten a lot of the hype because he's a Manning. So I think he'll be good. I just hope he actually gets his own opportunity to be his, his self and be in his own career and not be Peyton's nephew or Eli's nephew or Archie's grandson. So we'll see how that goes. But speaking of quarterbacks, a little bit of controversy, I guess, in the quarterback world came apart or came about when Tyreek Hill made the comments a couple weeks ago or about a week ago about how he would take Tua all day in the sense of accuracy. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes has the biggest, one of the biggest arms in the NFL, if not the biggest, and is just a generational talent. I mean, he's already getting greatest of all time talks and comparisons. But what I want to talk about is Tyreek Hill got death threats over this comment. Are you serious? What is he supposed to do? I mean, he gets, he's going to get asked those questions. There's already talks before he even got there about if Tua was good or not or if he deserves to be the franchise quarterback. Tyree gets traded over there, signs over there, gets a big deal. What do you expect him to do? Not back up his new quarterback, but yet he's going to get death threats from fans? Like, I am a diehard sports fan. There's a reason I'm talking to y'all about sports on this podcast, because I love sports too. The fact that there are actually people out there who are so mad about those comments and don't see the logic behind why he would say things like that is just astounding to me. And the fact that people go out of their way to not only comment stuff like that, but to take it to the level of death threats, that's insane. And if any, if there's any truth to that, those people should be ashamed of themselves. I get it if you're a Chiefs fan and you love Patrick Mahomes. I can't blame you, okay? I just said he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time already. He's he's working his way there, right? If he continues on the path he's on, he might pass Tom Brady, maybe not necessarily in Super Bowls, but in a large amount of other categories. So he's going to be up there with Tom Brady at some point in his career, if, if barring injury or any other serious things, which I wouldn't wish upon any player. But do you think Tyreek Hill's going to go down there and say, yeah, I'm going to miss my quarterback, man. Like, 
uh, two is not very good. No. What do you t- what do you think he's going to say? He's obviously going to get down there. He's going to say, hey, I really like Tua. Like, Tua's got great accuracy. He can get the ball in my bread basket and let me run. He can get the ball to me quick and let me go. Yes, that's exactly what he needs to say. That's his quarterback now. The fact that people don't address that and they just think, oh, man, he's he's talking bad about Patrick. He didn't even talk about it. He probably worded it in the in the nicest. He could have come out there and said, Oh, Patrick this, Pat, he, he does too much, he he tries to scramble too often, yada, yada. Like, th- there's so many things he could have said, not even that saying that those things are true necessarily. But he made a very respectful comment of, Patrick is a great arm, but I'm picking Tua all day because he's more accurate. And that's fine. I would hope any player on any team would back their quarterback up. I don't care if they have the worst quarterback in the league. I don't care if Nathan Peterman, if y'all remember who that is, the guy who threw all the interceptions for a couple different teams, I think he threw six in one game or four in one half or something like that. If that's my quarterback, if I'm the coach, I still want my receivers out there in the news and in the media saying, we're going to figure this out with him under center. And now behind closed doors, have your own opinions. But as far as public, yes, you should always back up your quarterback. So the fact that people are just talking about killing, like trying to kill Tyreek Hill and sending him death threats and stuff like that, that's insane to me I can't believe that that's even a thought I can't believe that people are even doing that it's bad on them get over it grow up support the new guys on your team if you don't like Tyree Kill anymore you don't like him okay newsflash you can change the channel you don't have to listen to him talk you don't have to see his games anymore he's not going to get that coverage anymore for your region okay so get over it but obviously we're gonna move on from that that's kind of my TED talk for the day but we're going to move on to the NBA. They had the draft last night. Benchero, Paulo Benchero goes to the Magic, number one. Chet Holmgren goes to Oklahoma City, number two. And Jabari Smith goes to the Rockets at number three. Those were kind of the three big names, a lot of the ones that everybody was following. There's a little bit of surprise. There was a lot of reports coming out about Jabari, Jabari Smith going, going number one overall to the Magic. Obviously, the Magic took Paulo Benchero, number one. So there's a little bit of a little bit of um, how can I wear a little bit of surprise? I guess would be a good a good way to say it. But that's, I think. I mean, I know or I know uh, Houston tried to trade up. People were kind of confused on why they're trying to trade up, but they could get him at three anyways. Obviously, there was a reason, given the fact that Benchero went number one overall. But there were just so many reports, and that's something I want to talk about with that. Maybe not necessarily the draft, but a lot of drafts. I wish the drafts, and I guess this kind of plays more now, but I wish drafts were a little bit more of a mystery. I don't, I mean, I'm a big NFL guy. I follow the NFL draft talk. I like paying attention, and we had a a surprise this year in the draft, so that's good. But I, I wish that, like, sometimes I wish that there wasn't the reports about who's going to what team, and I wish that there wasn't a prediction from literally anybody ever that covers the sport. I want to see... I sometimes just want to go into the draft having no idea what's going to happen. I think that's the most exciting way to go about it. I think it would bring a lot more viewership because if you, like for example, for the last two or three days, all you heard was Jabari Smith going number one overall and then the other home grid and Banchero to follow in whatever order. And obviously it didn't happen, but you're losing viewership due, due to that, which great coverage on those analysts part and the reporters parts. Good job. Hats off. But I think sometimes when it comes to like the draft, 
I think it'd be pretty freaking cool if you could just turn it on and you have no idea who's going where. Obviously, there's going to be talks. And in today's age, with all social media, there's next to zero chance of that ever happening ever again, not knowing who's going to go where. And there will always still be surprises. Obviously, there was a surprise in this year's draft with uh, Kayvon Thibodeau going number one, or not going number one, I'm sorry, um, Trayvon Walker going number one, and Kayvon Thibodeau was supposed to for so long and then fell off a little bit. And then this year, obviously, in the NBA, I think the MLB is a little different. You kind of know most of the time who's going to go where. But I think that the mystery drafts would be really cool if there wasn't as much coverage on them. Obviously, still cover all the combines and all that good stuff, but I wish that we truly had no idea who was going where sometimes. But at the same time, as a sports junkie guy who follows, like I said, the NFL draft just about as hardcore as anybody else as far as an outsider looking in, there's still surprises. So it's still cool. You still want to see what actually happens and when it's actually official on who your team took. So there is that, but Sometimes I think just the predictions and stuff, it just kind of takes away from the uh, the myst- the mysterious things that are going to happen, the crazy trades and picks that are going to happen. But speaking of crazy trades and picks, we're going to move on to my draft or to my picks. We went 0-1-1 yesterday. Obviously, I picked Arkansas over Ole Miss. That pushes me down to 3-5 and on the, I guess, on the year, if you want to say it. So I'm 3-5 and since I began this podcast. It's obviously not great. If I was betting, I'd be down a little bit of money, but... We're going to get back on it. I think my picks for today that I mentioned earlier, I think I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Lightning in game five. I think they're going to push it to game six. So that's my pick for tonight. So we'll address that on Monday. But I'm three and five, trying to get to four and five, maybe inch my way back closer to 500, and we'll go from there. But that's all I've got for today. This is the KZRG Sports Podcast. I'm Nathan Massey. I'll see you all next time.